From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. Hey, J.R., today we look ahead to the political stories that will likely make headlines in 2020. Probably the biggest is Wisconsin's role in the presidential race. President Trump narrowly won the state in 2016, which makes Wisconsin among a handful of true swing states. So what will the presidential race look like in Wisconsin as we get into 2020? It is hard to say, you know, 10, 11 months out from the election exactly what we're going to look like by fall because it's so hard to break what issues are going to shape this race, what the environment will look like. But right now, we're looking like one of the top five or six states are going to determine the presidency. I mean, you're seeing that with President Trump coming to Milwaukee January 14th, the amount of buildup by the outside groups who are looking to turn out voters uh, this fall. I mean, we, we are truly, we perhaps even the tipping point for the presidency. The questions I have are, you know, again, what the environment looks like come October, November. Um, you'll know we're important if we're being bombarded by TV ads and, and visited by both the candidates and the surrogates. But uh, right now, I'd say, yeah, uh, all indicators are that we are part of the, the handful of states that determine the presidency come November. At the same time, a statewide election will be happening this spring. Incumbent Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Daniel Kelly faces a challenge from Marquette Law Professor Ed Fallone and Dane County Circuit Judge Jill Karofsky. Fallone and Karofsky are backed by liberals, while Kelly is supported by conservatives. The primary is next month, and the general election is in April, on the same day as Wisconsin's presidential primary. What is the significance of the two events falling on the same day? Well, it depends on a couple of things. Number one, is the race for the Dem nomination for president still going strong come April? If it is, then Daniel Kelly faces a very difficult environment. This is why. Go back to 2016 uh, when the presidential primary was on the ballot, the same time as a Supreme Court race was as well. There are 1.1 million voters in the Republican primary for president, and about 1 million people voted for uh, conservative Rebecca Bradley. On the Democratic side, about 1 million uh, people voted in the Democratic primary, and a little more 900,000 voted for progressive liberal candidate um, Joanne Kloppenberg. What that suggests is that if that's a turnout model you're thinking of, where Dems will see about a million people voting, how do Republicans match that intensity? Now, there's a chance that the race for uh, the nomination will fizzle out before Wisconsin. If that happens, you'll have more likely a normal you know, spring electorate turning out. But if not, if you have that kind of supercharged Democratic base, how do Republicans match that, or can they match that? Um, go back to the 2019 Supreme Court race. Conservative Brian Hagedorn was an underdog for much of that campaign, and there was a, a surge in people's minds of conservative support for him in the closing weeks that propelled him to 606,000 votes. If you're a conservative, how do you get from that surge to 606,000 votes to a turnout of a million in the primary for president on the Democratic side. Now, I'm not predicting numbers just yet. You know, we'll see how things look. But that's the benchmarks. Those are the benchmarks that operatives are using trying to figure out this race. Uh, for Republicans, what they have to do is, if it is going to be a big turnout for Democrats, can they, you know, supercharge their base somehow? And two, could they pick off some of those Democratic primary voters and bring them over to Daniel Kelly and help him? Um, some Dems I talked to are skeptical of that prospect because to them, the people who are turning out in this primary are pretty much hardcore Democrats. 
they don't think they're likely to be attracted to a conservative message for Daniel Kelly for the Supreme Court. So if that race is going strong in the Democratic side for president, it's a, a, a definitely an advantage for the progressive candidate who faces Kelly um, come April. Another story that'll carry into the new year, a conservative law firm is now asking a judge to hold the Wisconsin Elections Commission in contempt for not immediately purging more than 200,000 voters from the rolls. An Ozaukee County judge ruled last month that the commission is violating state law and ordered that the voters be dropped because they may have moved and didn't respond within 30 days to notifications the commission sent in October. The case is now being appealed. Where do you see this story going in 2020? Good question, because I'm not a lawyer, because we had at the end of, you know, 2019, we had the state appeals court involved, the state Supreme Court involved, and a federal court involved. So that could go any number of places. I mean, and this is the, I guess we look forward to this way. Um, The question that some people have is, okay, if these voters are pulled off the rolls, then what happens? Well, in Wisconsin, we have same age registration. So long as you have the right um, documents with you and you turn up at the polls, you can register at the polls if you find out you've been pulled off and everything is fine. The challenge is if you show up with, for example, a, a driver's license with an old address on it. Because you don't have to renew your driver's license because you, you move. But if you have that driver's license with an old address on it, you need other documentation to register at the polls. Well, does that person go home and say it's not worth it? Um, if there are a lot of those people at the polling site, does it create a backup and then create long lines and that dissuades from others from voting? I mean, there, there are all kinds of what ifs. But in talking to Democrats, one of their fears is that if you have those long lines, you have those people who have to re-register it, it creates a, a bottleneck at likely more, more likely than not Democratic polling sites. And it's one more thing to do list for Democratic groups of making sure now their voters turn out but that they're properly registered before they go to the polls. Another item we'll be following, what kind of legislation the Republican-controlled legislature will pass. It looks like lawmakers are in session only a handful of days. There's talk that GOP leaders are thinking of uh, proposing a property tax cut in light of a report that Wisconsin could see its largest property tax increase in 10 years. Do you think a property tax cut, if it's introduced, uh, would pass? Well, I, I can tell you is that Governor Evers was somewhat lukewarm to the idea in some uh, end-of-the-year interviews in December, basically he said he would consider it, but that he wanted to make sure there's adequate money for it and that there are other priorities in Wisconsin, including schools. And that's the thing. Um, he also mentioned, for example, that there's some uncertainty about the economy. If it's going to go south, it might not be a bad idea to put that money in the rainy day fund. So there are competing priorities for the governor to the governor and Republican lawmakers haven't proven yet they can really get together in a lot of big, tic- big, big ticket items. So some folks are kind of skeptical of a big deal being struck by GOP legislators and Governor Evers because of that track record from 2019. And what other pieces of legislation are on the docket from what you've heard? Well, some things that lawmakers have talked about are, for example, addressing water quality issues in Wisconsin. It's, that's an issue that goes across the state. It cuts across party lines. Um, you have lead pipes in Milwaukee. You have contamination in wells up in northeastern Wisconsin and southwestern Wisconsin. So it's, it is an issue that has got people's attention. Um, there has been a call from Governor Evers to address homelessness. There's a package of bills that passed the Assembly overwhelmingly but have been held up in the Senate. You know, where are those going to go? Um, there's a speaker's task force on various topics that 
Assembly Speaker Robin Voss created. They have legislation coming on the pipeline. So it's going to be interesting to watch what gets done. The predictions largely are big, controversial things who aren't going to clear the legislature, but there might be some room for them to agree on some smaller things or, you know, things of broad bipartisan appeal. But there just hasn't been a lot of proof that big things can get done with this current makeup of the Capitol uh, in Madison. And finally, the last we heard from Foxconn, Governor Evers was saying the Taiwanese electronics giant could still qualify for tax credits if it renegotiates its contract with the state to reflect changes to its original plans. The company was planning to build large LCD screens at a huge plant in Racine County. Construction is underway, but Foxconn has since reduced the size of its plant and has said it'll manufacture smaller screens. So what do you think will be the bigger developments with Foxconn in 2020? Oh, it's a good question because there's a, a lot of things outside of the state's control that are going to probably influence the absence of Foxconn. This is what I mean by that. We have a trade war with China that's been going on. Um, there are some people believe that Foxconn located the plant in Wisconsin and to create a beachhead in the U.S., but also to curry favor with the White House and President Trump. Um, how does that trade war play out? How does the election play out? There, remember, Governor Scott Walker helped negotiate that deal. He's no longer in office after losing in 2018. Um, there's a thought that if Trump is no longer the president after the 2020 election, that maybe there's less incentive for Foxconn to go ahead with that facility. There are those who believe um, it still could work with a positive environment in Wisconsin and a, a Democrat in the White House who would be willing to work with the company. Big questions about that. And then just the general business dynamic. I mean, you know, companies don't produce products at a loss most of the time. So what's the demand for those screens? Uh, how can they be produced in Wisconsin versus being produced overseas? The cost, I mean, there's just a myriad of factors at play, whether that plant's successful. Um, what we do know for sure is that as of right now, the Foxconn is not planning to do the Generation 10 facility uh, that we talked about before. That's Generation 6 now. It's smaller LCD screens. You know, what's that going to mean? Uh, will the contract, will this dispute of the contract end up in court? between Foxconn and the Evers administration. There are all kinds of things like that to watch in 2020. It could be truly a pivotal year to see what happens with that project. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.